Cue fake podcast music. La 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 la. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other random mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. What do you have today, Jen? You wouldn't tell me. I have a cup of coffee. Yeah. Well, I'm, I must say, not your first one today. <laughs> well, you got me up early. Yes. And I was kept telling Michael, I was like, go meet her with a cup of coffee. Go up there and meet her with a cup of coffee. <laughs> I turned off my alarm this morning. I was like, this is crap. I got effed up, yeah, this morning. I, Michael's like, you're not your usual cheery self. I'm like, I'm still sleeping. I have a sneaky description <laughs> that you're not cheery in the morning. I actually am usually very cheery really? in the morning. Yeah. That's disgusting. I'm sorry. Listen to the dog just having at it. I know. He's wondering, too, like, Hello. Yeah, he's like, maybe I could drop this a little louder. Yeah. <laughs> he always wants to be part of the podcast. I know. Well, we'll hear him because he's got yep. a bone. So. Well, at some point, he's going to come to talk to you anyway. I know, right? What's your story about? My, I have two stories. Tell me. I have a story about a boy and about a woman, mm-hmm. two separate, Okay. who are both buried alive in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Oh, I have one about Robert Bob Miles, who was a Michigan's KKK Grand Wizard for a minute. And then I talk about, I didn't know this, and I go to that area later to go to a party, and I find out that that's, yep. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to take Apollo's bone away, so... I know. Or stop having him knock his bone up against the gate. I wish my husband would help with the dog. That would be great. No. Yeah. I, that, got, I got my dog. I'm like, I don't need it. I know my husband's busy taking his fifth nap for the day. <laughs> <laughs> that man can't stay You conscious. got him up early. I okay. Know. Well, Give look, him a break. Jeez. I'm not being mean to him. You know, uh, staying awake is not his thing. Yeah. Yeah, consciousness is not my husband's thing. <laughs> um, I just want to point out that I know you take a lot of naps. Too. I do. I nap on the weekends. Ridiculous. I try to nap once a what day. What are you doing? Napping? Yes. I'm about to take a nap. Well, yeah. It's like you plan it. I'm old. I do. <laughs> I even have a nap oh cutoff. But you have the, a nap cutoff? Yeah. Oh, my God. The thing about my husband is um, I don't know if we've watched a movie in the last five years. He hasn't at some point at least fallen asleep during oh, I always fall asleep during a movie. You know yeah. When we would go to the movies yeah. with my parents, yeah. my dad would fall asleep. Really? Well, yesterday, talking to Jennifer at work, she's like, I love napping. She's like, you know, you turn a movie on, sleep about an hour, wake up. <laughs> like, my sister Cassie and her husband Jesse used to work afternoons and they like often go see a movie. And Cassie, for a while, was falling asleep at like every movie. And then one day, Jesse fell asleep too, watching the Lord of the Rings. They fell asleep in the beginning of the movie. Wake oh, up I've the never end. watched that. I always fall asleep. Yeah. We she, have. She fell. They both fall asleep in the movie theater. Finally, Jesse's like, "We just spent twenty dollars to sleep." <laughs> but they have nice recliners now. <laughs> like they're like reclines, and they're all like extra wide. Yeah, that's yeah. true. They do have nice seats nowadays. Yeah, so. Cup holders too. That was shit we dreamed of when I was a kid. I know, right? <laughs> Kids these days, so spoiled. <laughs> Cup holders and reclining chairs. <laughs> Why don't you go first since you've got some murder and I got some Michigan? Okay, and so. Wait, they were murdered, right? They were buried alive. Crack, that would be murder. Well, not everybody. Well, some people get back out. Buried alive, not buried dead. <laughs> yeah. No, no. No, they don't make it, huh? No, they don't. They right. don't make it. But this, how this story came about is actually really funny. 
So how did I stumble upon this? Yeah, how did you stumble upon this? I called my parents, <laughs> and I said, what you doing? <clears throat> and they're like, we're going to Cocoa Beach for a wedding. Okay. And I'm like, oh, really? Well, where are you staying? And they give me the hotel. And I'm like, wait, wait, did you read the reviews on the hotel? No, we didn't read the reviews. It's the only hotel that had a room, so we're staying there. Well, let me look it up for you. And I'm like reading reviews, and they're all real shitty. <laughs> but then I Dead stuck, bodies and cockroaches and in then, the bathroom. And then I'm like, wait, turn around. You can't go there. There is a lot of murder in this town. They, a lot of murders on Cocoa Beach? Yeah. Wow. And hotels. What? Yeah. Not this specific one, but that doesn't matter. I'm just rolling with it on the phone. They, I can already sense that they're like, why did we pick up the phone? <laughs> you know, I'm reading reviews that, you know, this one guy said when you drive up, it looks like the Bates Motel. <laughs> I would like that, though. <laughs> I'd be like, this is terrifying. We must be here. <laughs> yeah. Note that they did say later on that the hotel was actually nice. It looked oh. like the Bates Motel, but inside it was nice. Um, so I'm going, oh my God, this guy buried this woman alive. This person was shot. I'm going through the whole drive and it's a long drive. I was on the phone for a very long time and then I was just seeking things out. And even if it was really, really like in the nineties, I still made it like it was happening (laughs) just because I was rolling with it. Right. Um, but they regretted and I, I didn't talk to him for a couple days, so. They probably had enough of me. After that, they're like, I'm sorry, we don't get service out here. Yeah. (laughs) They went on a trip, too. They're currently out on a trip, and I tried my best not to look it up and tell them. All the the death statistics. (laughs) All right. So the first one is the child. In 1993, Brayden Barnett, age seven. Oh. Yep. Was buried alive in Cocoa Beach, Florida. That is terrible. Yeah. It was found Braden during the autopsy had sand and leaves in his lungs. That's how they found out he was buried alive. Oh, that poor baby. Yep. Braden was found days after his mother's dead body washed up on the shore. Wait a minute. Is this this kid they didn't know for years who he was? Hmm. Okay. It didn't seem like that when I read the okay. articles. I read this one about they found this young boy's body. They didn't know who he was for years. They did some of that DNA thing. You know how they're sending it now to like Ancestry or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're able to find him. And they said, oh, when they found it, they said, um, they found out what the boy's name was. I actually have it on my list of podcasts to do. And then after that, they said, if you found him, then his mother is dead. And so they started searching these areas and they were able to find that this Jane Doe actually was his mother after they started searching. Like, look in these areas. That means that, you know, he was they, he was killed and his mother's dead, too. Yeah, I don't think this Damn. is her. All right. Sorry. I hope I don't ruin that for later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> well, people forget. Okay, good. Lo- her name was Lawana Barnett. And she was known to have me- a mental illness. She had just suffered a loss of her 14-year-old son in a car accident. Oh. It is believed the mother was distraught over losing her son. Yeah. And with her mental illness, it just pushed her over the edge. She killed Brayden and then took her own life. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, that was sad. Fast forward in 2010, Darice, D-A-R-I-C-E. Sure. Darice. 
Knowles, okay. age 22, was found buried alive in Cocoa Beach. No way. Yeah. Wait, where was the boy's body found? Cocoa Beach. Oh, both were found in Cocoa yeah. Beach. Oh, shit. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, just, yeah. Okay, you're right. Sorry. This is why you don't go to Cocoa Beach. Well, if you do, go heads up. Yeah. <laughs> Christopher Pratt admitted to killing Darius. That's her ex-boyfriend. Yeah, but it's not the husband. Mm-hmm. It's the ex-husband or boyfriend. Yeah. He had told Darius that he and another person, Valtice, V-A-H-L-T-I-E-C-E, Kirkman, killed a man, Willie Parker, when they were robbing him. When Pratt witnessed Darius speaking to the police officer, so Pratt witnessed Darius talking to a police officer. Yeah. He sees her her talking to a cop and probably assumes... Yep, and he went back and told Kirkman... Who supposedly forced Pratt to tie Darice up, dig a hole, and bury her alive. What? Yeah. So they just saw her talking to a cop. They, don't, they didn't even hear about what. They just assume it's them. Correct. And decide to kill her. Yeah. Jeez. Don't worry. It's You're going to be shocked. Okay. So he told the courts he had poured concrete mix on top of her, put dirt on her. Holy shit. So this is it. not just digging a hole, putting a body no, in. They, oh, yeah. crap. For a plea deal... Of 20 years. Okay. Pratt went and testified against Kirkman. Okay. And showed them where Darice's body was. Okay. The police confirmed that Darice never informed the police about the murder. She was dating the police officer. What? Mm-hmm. I bet you he lied to get his ex killed. Isn't that crazy? That's fucked up. Yeah, that's messed up. Oh my God, that's terrible. Yeah. And it shows how paranoid you can get. You kill somebody, you tell somebody, now you're paranoid. Yes, and we know how serial killers like to tell people. Yeah. Kirkman, the other gentleman, was sentenced to life in prison for sh- for shooting Willie Parker. Yeah. And the murder of Darius. Dang. And that happened, he, six years. So I was thinking about how you talked about speedy trial. This happened in 2010. Yeah. And in 2016, Kirkman is sentenced. So he's in jail this whole time going through all his trial things? Yeah, and he was sentenced to his death for Darius's. Yeah. Oh, dang. Yes, yeah, six years. Yeah, it so took. that can be, you could do different appeals and stuff. So uh, since then, a couple people have mentioned the speedy trial things and the reasons why. I think it's just as Well, I still want, how did he not get away with it? That's what I want to know. <laughs> That's the thing that bothers me to this day. Yeah. So I did mine on... Bob Miles, and that's because we have a follower named Veronica, and she responded on our website to our show notes on Leslie Allen Williams. I love people that visit our site and send us a comment. Yes, and she reminded me of Bob Miles, and I was like, thank you, Veronica, because I'm like, I have a personal story to go with that. Mm-hmm. So, who is Bob Miles? Bob Miles, he was born January 28th, 1925, in New York. And he did grow up to be the Grand Dragon of the Michigan Ku, Ku Klux Klan. Man, yeah. you really can find him. Yes. So the FBI described him as a white supremacist with ties to Nazism. And he was also he also later became a religious leader. So check this out. So Bob Miles joined the Free French Forces in 1940 after lying about his age. 
And when the U.S. joined World War II in 1941, Bob joins the Navy. And after the war, he continued to fight in the Philippines against communist guerrillas. And Bob was captured and held prisoner until he was repatriated by U.S. officials. All right? Sounds a little bit of time at war and some time as a prisoner. Okay. Now, Bob then comes back to the States. He was then an insurance executive, and he was working between New York and Michigan. And that was from 1947 to 1969. During that time, he was working with Eastern European guerrillas. So he's really into guerrilla work. And, and when I say guerrilla, I don't mean like the hairy chest bounding. I mean guerrilla as in G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A as in shoot you in the face. I'm a guerrilla. Okay. Okay. So that work is connected to the explosion of his New York home in 1953. So, yeah, he's working with these gorillas. His home blows up, and he's like, I think I'll move to Michigan for permanent. <laughs> and I put on here a couple well, times. Who would think of that? Yeah. Let's just move to Michigan. Yeah, well, often it says he lived in Howell, and then sometimes it says he just lived in um, Cohoctic um, Township. So I just put both on there, but yeah. I'm going to say Howell. Okay. So, April 3rd, 1971, a white Willow Run High School principal named R. Riley Brownlee was targeted by Bob Miles and four of his Ku Klux Klan members. So Brownlee was lobbling. <laughs> the English is so hard. <laughs> Brownlee was lobbying to formally recognize the life and work of Martin Luther King Jr. at a school board meeting in Ypsilanti. Okay. And Bob Miles and four fellow KKK members disagreed with Principal Brownlee's work. Right? They don't want <laughs> MLK yeah. recognized. So, on the night of the 3rd, as Brownlee drove home to Plymouth, a car blocked a bridge ahead of him, forcing him to stop. And a second car blocked the road behind him, keeping him from backing up. And five men in white supremacist robes, robes, one of them being Bob, then put a gun to Brownlee's head and forced him out of the car. The men forced him to the ground and then covered Principal Brownlee with five gallons of hot tar from his shoulders to his feet and then covered him in chicken feathers holding him captive there for like two hours. Now, it doesn't say what they were doing him, with him for those two hours, but I'm going to assume they were not playing patty cake or hugging each yeah. other. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to assume those things. So after the attack, Principal Brownlee drove back to the high school for help. And what the heck? He went through all that and got in his car and drove off? Drove back to the school for help. Holy and a moly. student took a picture of him, which we will link to in our show notes. And you can see that he's covered in tar. So Brownlee returned to work at school the next day. Man, he wanted he's to show beast. he wanted to show he was not scared off. Now later on, he does lose his job at Ypsilanti School, but he goes to Ann Arbor schools and just kills it from then on. So before we get to the legal ramifications of tarring and feathering another human being, mm-hmm. um, let me tell you what else Bob did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so on the night of August thirtieth, nineteen seventy-one, so he did that in April, right? April third, nineteen seventy-one. By August thirtieth, nineteen seventy-one. Ten buses in the Pontiac school system were blown up with dynamite. There was property damage, but no person was killed or injured. And it was considered to be in protest of racial integration busing. And six Klansmen were arrested. Arrested. Yep. Grabbed right by their wrists. (laughs) There were six Klansmen who were arrested in connection to the bombing, including Robert Miles. He was found guilty of conspiring to interfere with force, and after waiving a jury trial, five of the six men were freed on a $10,000 bond before sentencing. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, yeah, the KKK must have some money. Yeah. So most of the information regarding the bombing came from an informant who had been paid to infiltrate the white supremacist movement in Michigan. And the mole was named Jerome Lowinger, Lowinger and he testified that 
The convicted men were part of a militant wing of the Klan called the Rangers. And according to Jerome, the bombing was deliberated for, for weeks before they took action and that he was in on the plan. So Robert Miles was indicted on conspiracy charges in the federal court system on June of 1972 for his role of tarring and feathering Principal Robert W. Brownlee. On October 1973, Bob Miles was sentenced to nine years in federal prison. He received a sentence of four years for Brownlee's tarring case and five years for the bombing. He served six years of his sentence before being released in 1979. So Bob Miles then became a religious figure for a religion that believed Jewish people were agents for a false god, which does battle with the one true god that Bob worshipped. Okay. Yeah. So that's why you, you don't... You can't like Jewish people. They're God's fighting with your God. And Robert Miles then began to be known by the title Pastor Bob. And Bob Miles, I mean, they're always pastors and prophets, right? Know, right. Bob Miles' church, named the Mountain Church, was founded on his property in Howell, which was a 37-acre farm. And Bob held many religious and racial meetings on his large property. This caused the Howell slash Livingston County to earn the unfortunate nickname of the KKK capital of Michigan. Mm. So on the Miles property, FBI charged that Bob and his followers would discuss overthrowing the government. So Mr. Miles was a productive writer for 20 years of a newsletter called From the Mountain. And in his prolific writing that led to, it was his prolific writing that led to more legal trouble for Bob. So Bob and 13 other white supremacists were indicted for a seditious conspiracy and a plot to overthrow the government in 1987. So, trying to throw the U.S. government over. All were acquitted in charges in, in 1988 after Bob claimed his writings were an exaggeration and that the intentions of his writing were to amuse and educate. So he's like, I'm not inciting a revolt. I'm just trying to amuse and educate people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, From the Mountain was published until 1989. His high-volume writings caused Bob to be considered a spokesman for the white supremacist movement. So, Bob Miles died August 16th, 1992. Now, his family kept it real tight to the chest about what it was that he died of. So, it could either be complications from a stroke or um, heart complications. Because I guess he had a stroke, but he also had, like, a few heart attacks as well. Okay. So, I, Allie, went to a party in the house slash Pinckney area in 1994. Okay. It was a Halloween costume party, and my friends and I went to support our friends who played in a garage band. Everybody was in a garage band in the 90s, okay? Right. And the garage was on the edge of the property with this large bonfire that was farther into the property by the house. And we picked, we, so we parked by the barn, and we're not even up to the garage when my roommates, you know, start to shock whisper to each other. You know what I'm talking about, where you're like whispering out the edge of your mouth? There were a lot of people that we could see in the distance around the bonfire that were dressed in KKK robes. I never in my life had ever seen that in person ever before. I mean, there were dudes, some dudes were in Nazi uniforms, and one dude was in blackface. He was supposed Holy to be shit. buckwheat. Oh my God. Okay, so my sisters and my roommate and I, we all just stayed huddled together. Like, just all, all of us just like huddled by each other. And our band, our friends who were in the band, were complaining to us that other party goers were upset because we weren't mingling or talking outside of our immediate group. Okay, so my roommate and I are like, they're in KKK robes. 
<laughs> like, what do you want us? No, we're not mingling. But we, we don't want to make them mad either. Yeah. So at one point I say, I'm very tired. I'd like to lay down in the car or something. But I don't want to say one of my sisters was waking out in the car. But I was like, I really want to lay down in the car. And there wasn't room. And my roommate and I wanted to, she wanted to lay down too. So one of the guys in the band were like, some guys have an old suburban. They said you could lay down and, you know, and sleep in there if you want. And then you're awake. Well, hold on. So my roommate and I both lay down as a suburban. You, know, like at the you actually get in the we, car. Well, we don't want to make a mad, so we realize oh, we yeah. have to leave the. We have to leave these. We don't want to make a mad. We don't want to make the natives mad. So we do leave the garage and we go to sleep in the. Well, we lay down in the suburban, and we're not even there for five minutes when all of a sudden the door opens and two guys get in the front. The blackface dude and one of the guys in the Nazi uniforms, and I was like, "What's up?" And he's like, "Well, this is my truck, and I was going to take a nap too." So I didn't want to like get up and immediately get out because I thought that might make him mad too. So I waited 15 minutes and finally I was like, hey, uh, Randy, I can't sleep. And she's like, me neither. I'm like, we should probably go back. Yeah. And she was like, yeah. And that's how we left. But oh my it was, God. Uh, yeah, they were like, you guys should know. No, I don't want to mingle. So I did read this um, article that was written in the Livingston Post that was talking about Robert Miles and how his name ruined the legacy of Livingston County. And that he had been dead for 25 years. This was written August 2017. But people still associate the culture with the area. And the article concluded that the Southern Poverty Law Center, which does track white supremacist movements, confirmed that there is not an active KK faction in, KKK faction in Michigan. Which, I'm going to say you're right. Maybe there's not. But there's some still some racist people there. Now, mind you, that was 1994. Mm -hmm. But do you think that those people suddenly changed their ideas? I don't think so. No. <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to give... Howl a bad rap if they're trying to change it around. So I do have a link to the article that says that there's not KKK in Howl. But, but there are some people with some robes and some Nazi memorabilia, and they dress up in blackface. <laughs> and it was just like, a, it was one of the scarier parties. But the, uh, they're like, oh, they're complaining you guys aren't mingling. We're like, what do you want us to mingle with? I'd <laughs> be like, I'm going to take the car, and yeah. I'll come pick you up when you're done. Oh, it was terrifying. Yeah, but we're just laying there, and the guys came in, and we're just like, Urgh! Well, my question Now we're trapped in a car with two strange dudes. Well, and I think it's interesting that the, your friends in the band didn't think anything of it. Well, honestly, that didn't even dawn on me till later. Well, then I was just like, what's the problem? Like, We're getting in trouble for not mingling. Uh, fuck them. <laughs> fuck them, I'm not mingling. You can't mingle. You need to be there for the band. Yeah, well, I got to be able to keep my eyes open at all time in case they try to approach me. I don't want that shit. <laughs> so you guys have been listening to Michigan and Other Mayhem with Allie and Jen. Connect with us at michiganandothermayhem.com to join the conversation. Listen to the podcast, access show notes, find site links, correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, Podbean, and YouTube. Bye-bye now.